taking the opportunity out of your week and out of your weekend. I know, uh, you know weekends usually are downtime, but thank you for taking the time to come out and see and experience what God is doing in the life of his people with us. Amazing things are going to happen today. God is going to work, and I'm so, so excited. I don't know what you think about yourself right now, but for me personally, you are something. You are an answer to my prayer personally. As I've been preparing this message, uh, Pastor Mike Franklin texted me a couple weeks ago, and he said, would you like to speak? I said, yeah, of course, of course I would. I have something on my heart already. So as I've been preparing, I've been praying that God will put the necessary people here. That God will put the people who need to hear this message here. You are the chosen today. <laughs> today, you are the ones that God chose to answer my prayer with. And I'm so, 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 so thankful for that. I know it's fall break in Newton County. I know that uh, something else was going on this week. It's, it's fall break and... What's going on this week, guys? There, there's something really busy going on this week, I feel like I'm forgetting. There's fall break. I don't know. There's something going on. There's something going on. I, I, I know people are out of town. I, I know that much. And, uh, but y'all took the time to stay here and to come here, uh, hear what God has to say, and I thank you for that. And before we get started, uh, I want to address something uh, that's obvious. It, it's, a, it's the elephant in the room that's clear. We are human beings. That, 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 is, that is obvious. But with us being human beings... That means that there's a truth that we have to address before we begin. There's pain in this room. There's hurt in this room. There's sin in this room as we speak. I am a sinner. I'm not going to pretend like I'm perfect. I'm not going to preach that I'm perfect. I sin. I make mistakes. I am imperfect like everyone here. That's something we have to address. But I want to I begin with Scripture. We're going to uh, go to Hebrews chapter 12, please. I can wait. I'll wait for you all to get there. I just, I just wait until I hear the pages stop flipping. Okay. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Here we go. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The main thing I want to focus on is verse 1. Since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, us, the church, the body, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. Today, let's leave our struggles at the door. Let's focus on what God has to say together as a group. Let's focus. Let's run this race together. This is a safe place for you. The church, and the church of Christ and the believers, the followers of Jesus, this is a safe place for you, a safe family for you to, to start this trek of following Jesus. This is a safe group of people to do it with. I pray that you can trust me as a speaker. I pray you can trust your body of believers. I pray that you can trust us and know whatever you're going through, you can leave it at the door today because God's going to do something great in your life today. I truly, I truly believe it. I truly, truly believe it. I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to get started. Is that good? Everyone good? Here we go. Jesus, we love you, God. We thank you so much for everything you have given us. God, I thank you for putting these people here today in front of me. I pray, God, that you will give me the words, that you will replace all mine with yours. 
And I pray, God, that today your Holy Spirit will be present in this congregation. I pray, Lord, that you will do something in this congregation today, Lord, that will affect their lives forever, Jesus. Live, speak, and act through me, God. Let me simply be a vessel. Your glory, not mine. In your name, amen. So I'm going to begin with a little introduction by myself. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting John to come up and uh, to introduce me a little bit, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, as he said, I've been t- attending Solid Rock for about six years now. I've been in the youth group for five. I just graduated. I go to UGA. Go dogs! Anyone? Go dogs! Come on! Go dogs! Yeah, come on. There we go. Come on. <laughs> Got a big win against Vanderbilt last night, but I mean, what did you honestly expect? You know, what did you honestly expect? It's Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm sorry if there's any Vandy fans in here, but it's Vanderbilt. Uh, but now I go to UGA, I'm a double major, electrical engineer, and um, I'm going to get my MBA in about five years if I stay on track. Let's pray I stay on track. Uh, with an attended seminary, with an attended seminary um, endeavor, uh, whenever God allows me to do that. And uh, I think there's two, there's two questions I get the most being a UGA student. You would think number one question would be, how's UGA? How's life? How are you doing? Are you giving it a sin? Are you actually following God? You would think that'd be number one, but that's actually number two. The number one question I get as a student at UGA is, do you see football players? Do you see athletes? Have you seen Jake Fromm? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't. I mean, how are you doing? It's not. I was like, I talked to someone from high school, and they'd be like, have you seen Jake Fromm? I'm like, I'm doing so good. Thank you for, thank you for asking. Uh, no, I have not seen Jake Fromm. But uh, Zach, slide one, buddy. I have seen Cole Hardman, if y'all know who that is. The, the wide receiver for UGA. I snuck this picture on the bus. Uh, me and my buddies were sitting there coming from engineering, and uh, I was like, that's me, Cole Hardman, dude. And we just, like, fangirled and went crazy. Uh, he doesn't know I took this picture, so uh, if you ever meet me, Cole, don't tell him that this ever happened, because that would be uh, super, super embarrassing. And I probably should have gotten his consent, but, uh, yeah, that's me, Cole Hardman, so I definitely fangirl over that. I see Solomon Ginley, I see, I see football players, but not Jake Fromm. He's on my, he's on my checklist, haven't got him yet. But uh, <laughs> you, you, can, you can take that off. Um, yeah, just, just, let's just forget that happened. Um, okay, let's get down to the message. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So, the main theme that we're going to talk about today is creator. That is the title of my message, creator. In the church, we typically talk about God in certain attributes, in certain forms. Uh, God the redeemer, God the savior, God the healer. But we don't normally talk about God creator. When we think about that God is redeeming his own thing that he created, it makes it more powerful. It makes it more, more loving. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how Jesus is the creator of three main things. We're going to hit three points that God created three main things. And we're going to get to that. Now, before we start, though, I want to address something else. There is a common enemy, I feel like, a threat that the church thinks is here and is present. Typically, people think that the big uh, rival of church is science. People think that science is the, is the rival of the church. That's trying to destroy the church. But let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this today. I want you to learn this today and keep this in your back pocket forever. Science does not disprove our God. Science is a study of, the, of this great universe that God created for us. If anything, science only points to Jesus. It only points to Jesus. It only exemplifies his glory in this world. For the first third of my message, we're going to talk about a little, about a little cool science fact. I, I call it the, the did you know section of my message, because I'm just going to say, did you know? Throw a science fact. I pray, even though science isn't your thing, right now school is in session. You're back in science class. I pray that you listen. I pray that you 
have open hearts, open minds especially, and open spirits. Let God work through you today. I know science might be your favorite thing, but just hear me out. Listen, let's see this great universe God created. Good? Good? The first thing that we're going to talk about, Jesus, creator of the universe. God is the creator of this amazing universe, and that is fantastic. For starters, did you know that we live in an area of this solar system called the Goldilocks Zone? Did you, has anyone ever heard of the story of Goldilocks and the three bears? It's pretty common. Pretty, yeah, pretty common. So if you don't know, Goldilocks go, breaks into these bears' houses. That's mistake number one. And um, she, she finds three bowls of porridge. She tastes one bowl of porridge, and it's, she says, this is too hot. She goes to the other one. She says, this is too cold. But then she eventually finds a bowl and says, this is just right. We live in a Goldilocks zone. This area of our solar system is just right. We live, the solar system is like a big circle, like this. And we are in one of the rings in the circle. The Goldilocks zone is the only place in this known universe, not just a solar system, in this known universe, where human life can live, where life at all can live. If the Earth was pushed out of this Goldilocks zone to, towards the sun, we would burn up and die. If we were pushed to the left... I say the left, it's not really the left, but if we were pushed away from the sun, we would freeze up and not exist. So that is something great. God has placed our planet in the perfect place. God is a perfect God. He has allowed us to live in this Goldilocks zone. Moving on, did you know that this planet, when we're talking about water and land, did you know the planet is 71% water? It's pretty ironic because we named the planet Earth, and it's not even majority Earth, it's Majority water. That's kind of ironic to me. But, uh, but you think about it, 71% earth, 29% land. Why? That, that, that was a big question I had when I figured that out. Why? The distribution of water, the reason that there's so much water, is that it controls our climate. The, amount, the, the large amount of water on this planet cancels out radiation from the sun so we don't burn to a crisp which is fascinating. So if you hate the beach in here, you better be lucky. If it weren't for the beach, you'd be burning alive right now. That sun would be toasting like a marshmallow, man. <laughs> it would be toasting like a marshmallow. And that's a cool thought. That's a cool thought that even everything from, from just the area that we are, the solar system, to the water itself is keeping us alive. That's a perfect God we serve. Moving on. We're going to talk about uh, Earth itself right now. Excuse me. Uh, Answer from the crowd, how fast am I moving right now? Answer, someone, so I don't stand here looking weird. What? <laughs> how fast am I moving right now? Extremely fast. I heard, I heard really slow and I heard extremely fast. The answer is extremely fast. Did you know right now we are spinning 1,000 miles per hour? Like this. The globe is spinning 1,000 miles per hour right now. Right now, I'm going 1,000 miles per hour. Right now, you sitting in your pews are going 1,000 miles per hour. That's insane. To add on to that, the Earth is spinning 1,000 miles per hour, but it is rotating around the sun 67,000 miles a day. That is nuts. That is, that, that is insane. Science and scientists in this world will try, will try to say that, that is ordinary, that... We are just not complex, and this is all just chance. We are spinning like this and spinning like this at the same time, yet we are standing still, not doing this 24-7, and we have gravity that keeps me on my feet like this no matter where I am on the globe. That is crazy. 
Is that just me? That, that's insane. But that's the God we serve. God created all of this for us to live perfectly, to live how we live. That's amazing. Moving on, let's talk about the universe. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. If you're getting tired, I'm almost done. With, with, this, with, with this section, not the sermon. Everyone's like, thank God we're getting early to the buffet today. No, no. <laughs> Did you know in this universe there are 100 billion trillion stars? Now, if you can't conceptualize that, let me, let me explain it this way. One million seconds is equivalent to 17 minutes. One trillion seconds is equivalent to 32,000 years. Think about what I just said. One trillion seconds is equivalent to 32,000 years. Now think of 100 billion of those trillions. That's how many stars are in this universe. That's crazy. Why, though? Why stars? Stars don't have a purpose. They're just backdrops of God's beauty and God's glory. Think about, think about some time in your life when you were on a date with your significant other or something, and you are looking up at the stars. God made them. God put them there so you can see his glory. Think about when, when you're on the phone outside. I don't know if y'all do this, but I definitely do. When you're on the phone outside, you walk in the most random places. You pace everywhere. You're going in circles, and you're like, I've never been in this part of my house before, but I am because I'm on the phone. You know what I mean? Especially at, yeah, right. And especially at nighttime, when I, what I do is I like to look up. And when you really look and think about the stars that are there, it's fantastic. And we can't even see all of them because of the light pollution in this world. But just think about it. That's insane that there are 100 billion trillion stars all for God's glory, all to show that God's amazing, that God's beautiful, and this universe is beautiful as well. That is amazing, church. Family, that's amazing. The last thing about did you know, this is the one that will blow your mind, in my opinion. It blew my mind. Scientists can only see, study, understand 4% of this universe. What I mean by that is they can look at, when they're, when they're thinking of why this universe works, why this universe rotates, why this universe is acting and still existing and going on while it was created, they can only even understand 4%. There's another 96% that they're like, we can't see. We don't know what's making this universe work. It's just working. We don't know what's happening. They call it dark matter, by the way. Remember that name, dark matter. They don't know why it's working. It just works. And they put a name on it, dark matter. They put a name on why this universe is just magically working because we're all just here by chance, right? There's some reasons I talk about all these things. Number one reason. I ended with dark matter for a reason. This world and scientists as a whole will look at extraordinary things like we just talked about, and they will put a name on it. They will put names on it. They'll put dark matter. They'll put Goldilocks zone. They'll put, they'll put all these different terms on it. Church, they might put a name on it, but we put the name on it. <laughs> Amen? We put the name on the reason of why this universe is here, why this universe works, why it's still working, and why it's going to work years and years to come until our, our Jesus, our beloved Savior, comes back. The name is the reason of why this universe works, or why the universe works, not a name, right? Reason number two, I'll talk about this. This universe is amazing. This universe is fantastic. It's not, it's not ordinary. Don't, don't let this world and people in this world tell you that your life is ordinary, that it's not original. Your life is the exact opposite of ordinary. 
You're on a rock right now that's spinning 1,000 miles per hour, going around a big ball of lava that's 67,000 miles a day. Your life is not ordinary. Your life is not due to chance. Your life was actually planned from the beginning, and your life was created by Almighty God. That's the truth. But there's a more important reason we talk about this today. There's a more important reason that I open with this, with this science, with this, with this critical thinking. There's a way more important reason. If you hear anything today, please hear this. Please hear this. Please hear this. Please hear this. As amazing as this universe is, as wide, as big, as fascinating, as unique, critically designed, engineered, our God thought it was incomplete without you. A universe without you in it. Not you, the people. Yes, you, the people, you, the group, you, the individual. God thought it wasn't good enough. When God created the earth, he's, he created, he said, okay, I created land, not good enough. Created water, not good enough. Created animals, not good enough. Created the trees, the plants, everything, not good enough. He created light, not good enough. Created darkness, not good enough. Created the plants, not good enough. But then he created you, and he said, now this is good enough. This is good If you look in Genesis, when God is creating each individual thing, it's a little minute detail, but if you look at it, when he creates something, he says it is good, it is good, it is good. When he creates humans, he said it is very good. It is very good. Some translations say great. It is great. It's not just good, great. You are God's favorite creation. You're God's favorite creation today, church. That's an amazing thought. That, 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 that's an amen-worthy statement. You are worth God's creation. You are God's favorite creation. This universe is amazing, yes, but that is not His favorite thing He created. It's you. It's you. That's awesome. Yes, that's amazing. That's an amazing thought. That's where we move on to the second thing we're going to talk about today. Our Jesus, creator of us, creator of humans, And we're going to talk about this by starting off with the scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139, 139th Psalm, verses 13 through 15, please. Good to go? Okay. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 15. For you created my inmost being. You you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Do we have any knitters, quilters, crocheters? Put your hands up. I I need to see them, like for real. Because I'm going to Yeah, okay. So these people in here understand what I'm about to say, and they will relate to what I'm about to say. Knitting, crocheting, where does it say right here? It says knit, you knit me together. It says he wove me together. Knitting, weaving, all that stuff is not easy. It is not easy. And the thing is, is it doesn't just happen. You don't just say, okay, here's my thing of yarn, done. No, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes care, it takes precision, it takes love, honestly. <laughs> if you don't want to create this quilt or this blanket or whatever you want to weave or knit, if you don't love it and you don't want it, it's going to take a long time to make, and it's not going to be any good either. 
It says right here that God knit us together, that he wove us together. He cares about us. You are not just something that God just said, I want this. No, God thought about you. He put thought into what he was doing when he created you. He knit you together. He wove you together. Everything from your personality, everything from your looks, to every trait and attribute that you have, he knit and wove you together. And that's a really, really cool thought, I think. We're going to read another form of scripture also. 1 Peter chapter 2. Flip there. Good? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So what this verse means, if you've heard me speak in any capacity before, you've heard me say this, and you've heard me go on this rant that I'm about to go on, I'm going to go on this rant most likely every time I preach for the rest of my life, if I continue to preach at the capacity that I do. What this verse is saying is that you are heirs of the royal throne. Our God is the king of kings, the king of this universe, and we are his children, which, make, which makes us heirs to the throne. Princes and princesses of the most high king. This is the part where, like I said, if you've heard me speak, you've heard me say, I'm going to address each gender in the room separately, ladies first. Women in our house, you are a princess of the one true king. You are a princess. It doesn't matter if you're five years old or if you're 50 years old. You are a daughter of the one true king. You are a princess. You deserve to be treated like such. Don't settle for less when it comes to dating. Ladies, don't don't do that to yourself. You were bought with precious blood and you were created with precious hands. You deserve to be treated as such. Live that way. Act that way. Don't think that your beauty is a comparative beauty to where, well, I'm only pretty if someone else isn't as pretty. That's not true. You're all beautiful in this house. Every lady in here, you're all beautiful. And you deserve to know that. Live that way. Expect to be with a good man one day. Expect that because you are precious. Know that. Live that. Now we're going to flip scripts to the men. Men, I echo the same exact thing to you. I echo the same exact message to you. You are precious. You're princes of the king. You deserve a princess that is perfect for you. You deserve that. But men, we have another responsibility that we have to take care of as men. And that's just being men. We have to be men for Christ. Now, I know, I, know, I know there's someone in here thinking already, who is this 18-year-old shrimp coming up telling me how to be a man? <laughs> I just know, I know it. I may not know how to be a man in terms of this world, but I do know how to be a man in terms of the kingdom. I do know how to do that, and I do, I'm still working on it, obviously, but I do know the steps of how to get there. And the, the way to do that, the number one way, because there's only one way, is to give your life to wholehearted worship to our Lord. Devote your life to our Lord. That is the only way to be a true man in this world. And if you want to focus on being a true man for this world, that won't last long. But if you want to be a true man for that world, you will be that man forever. Know that. Live that. 
We had the men's, we had the men's conference uh, dinner at my house the other day with my, with my dad and hosted it. And I love how Mike Denny put this. The first job that God gave man was to tend the garden, watch over the garden, watch over my animals. So Mike Denny calls us the watchman. I really like that. We're the watchman. We have to watch over each other, men. It's not girly to go to church and look out for each other. It's not girly to, to, to be that, the spiritual leader for your wife and for your significant other. That's not a girly thing. Step up. Step up. Let's step up together, men. I see how explosive and how big and how dynamic the women's ministry is. I want that for the men. I want that for the men. So let's do it. Let's stop talking about it. Let's get the wheels going and let's go. Let's do it together. I'm game. I'm game. So let's do it. <laughs> we have a lot of men in this church. We have a whole section right here. Just devoted for them. Let's get going. Let's serve the Lord together. Let's do this. Now, aside from each gender, let's reel it back in. And I want to talk to everyone, every gender in this room. So I'm talking to everyone. You are amazing. You are amazing. Don't think otherwise. God took the time to make you. Think about that. The creator of the universe took his time to create you. Live like that. Existence is a privilege. It is a privilege that God created you. Live life for the best. The fact that we not only get to exist and live and breathe and walk and talk, but that we get to do it in America especially, that is a privilege, ladies and gentlemen. Use that privilege Live life to the best of your ability. Be happy. Love others. Love yourself. Do it. Please. I beg you. But with this existence comes a purpose. We all have a purpose in this room. We have a purpose individually. And we have a main purpose for the kingdom. Your main purpose in existence should be to serve God wholeheartedly. That should be your main purpose. But I understand that sometimes that is hard. It's hard to trust God. It's hard to give it all to God because of the world we live in. Discouragement, sin, guilt, shame, addiction. I'm not good enough. You don't know where I've been. The cross can't, the cross can't take care of me. It can't hold me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough to follow Jesus. It's a plague. It's this world, it's the enemy telling you absolute lies. But God knew that, that the world would tell you those lies. We're going to talk about the third thing God created. God created the cross. Our God created Calvary. It's like life was a chess game and, and God pulled the checkmate with the cross. If you don't know the Calvary story, the creator of the universe stepped down from his throne, traded his crown of gold for a crown of thorns, and died the, died the death you and I deserve. Now, I know that's a cliche, a cliche statement. People say, well, why, why do I have to repent? Why do I have to do these things? Because since we live in this world, since we have sin, we cannot exist in pure, pure light, which is God. 
It's not that God wants to condemn you and send you to hell. That's not it. It's that you literally cannot exist in his presence. That's why God came down. That's why, that's why Jesus died. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need to accept Jesus. Some people haven't done that today. Maybe you're, maybe you're ready. Maybe you're not. We'll talk about, about that in a minute. But our Jesus loves you. And think about it like this. Our God didn't just die. Our God did not just take the nails. He created the hill that he would die on. He created the tree that would become the wood, that would become the cross that he was pierced to. He created the leather and the steel of the weapons and the nails that would impale and whip and torture him. He created the people that would give the final blow. He created every aspect of that. Have y'all ever heard of laminin? Anyone? Has anyone ever heard the word laminin before? Show of hands. Laminin. You've probably seen, okay, a couple people. Good. I, I didn't want a lot of people to know about it because I want to share it with you. <laughs> laminin is a very complex thing in your body. And I'm going I'm to read some definitions in a little bit, but just some back, backdrop in laminin. It's inside of you, and it holds you together. I'm going to read you the definition of laminin. Stay with me. Okay, this is the definition that it gave me. Laminin, a fibrous protein in the basal lamina of the uh, epithelia. See, I don't even know what that means, epithelia. When I read that, I was like, English, please. I I know you're probably thinking the same thing. I had no idea what that means. So I googled simplified definition of laminin. This is what it gave me. Simplified version or definition of laminin. A glycoprotein component of connective tissue basement membrane that promotes cell adhesion. What? It's like I literally typed in simplified, and it gave me the unsimplified version. It almost made it harder. But I simplified it myself. This is the definition of laminin. Laminin, a vital protein that makes sure the overall structures of the body hold together. Laminin is vital to human structure, and we wouldn't exist without it. Laminin holds us together. Laminin makes our bodies this shape. Without laminin, we would be blobs of weird flesh, skin, mutated disgustingness. It'd be gross. (laughs) Think about if we were just blobs coming to church. Ew. Yeah, ew. But I want you to understand the main main thing I'm trying to say. Laminin holds your body together. It keeps me like this. It keeps your cells intact, and it makes you the way you are. I'm going to show you what laminin looks like. Zach, slide two, please. That is laminin. (laughs) What shape is that, ladies and gentlemen? That's the cross of our Jesus. Amen? That's laminin. That's what's in your body. That is what's in your cells right now holding you together. Right now, if it weren't for that shape, you'd be a blob. If it weren't for that shape, you wouldn't be the way you are, the shape you are, and how you're functioning right now. That shape really has made its appearance throughout time, hasn't it? Let me read you a scripture. Go to Colossians, please, if you want to go with me. Colossians chapter 1. Now look, I I want you to read this. Laminin, it holds us together, it keeps us together, it keeps us intact. This is God in our body. This is God in biology. This is God proving to us through creation that He's here. That He's real. That He's always been here. 
I want you to read with me Colossians 1.15. Listen to this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and, in, and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through and for Him. Listen to this. He is before all things and in, and in all things, everything holds together. I'll read it again. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. It's in the Bible, Laman is in the Bible saying that Jesus is holding us together. He holds everything together. The cross of Jesus Christ is holding us together physically as well as spiritually. That is an amazing thought. Jesus used this shape to redefine history, to redefine the body, to redefine your future, to redefine everything about your life today. That shape is everything. That shape is life. That shape is resurrection. That shape is something else, ladies and gentlemen. When you're down and you don't think, man, right now I really don't have a good relationship with Jesus. Right now, I feel like the cross is holding me together physically and physically alone. It's a tough place. <laughs> if, you, if you feel like, I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't do this, Jesus. I mean, you're barely holding me together spiritually. He's holding you together physically. That's, that's always a reassuring thought. But you know, today there's people in this house, there's people in our family right now in this room who are primarily being held together by the cross physically and not spiritually. There are people in this house right now that the only thing that your life has to do with the cross is that you look like me, a human that you have shaped because of this. I want to tell you something today. Today, that, that cross can hold you together spiritually as well. I believe there's people in this room right now. I don't know who it is. I'm not a prophet. I don't lie if I said I was. But there's people today in this room that are hearing a voice. Today, there's someone in this room saying, you know... Tristan, when you were talking about that we are so precious, that we are so great, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that today. When I said the cross makes you perfect, the, the cross is holding us together at every, at every you know, aspect of life. You might be thinking, Tristan, I can't experience that. Because of my scars, because of who I am, because of my guilt, because of my shame. Well, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that cross. More than Jesus died on the cross that day. What do I mean by that? Shame died on the cross at Calvary. Guilt died on the cross at Calvary. Greed died on the cross at Calvary. Sin died on the cross at Calvary. Addiction died on the cross at Calvary. Depression died on the cross at Calvary. Your inward most, I don't want to say fetish because that's a really weird word, but your inward most demons that haunt you, that plague you, that follow you were killed on that cross that day at Calvary. And there's a voice today telling you that. 
There's a voice today that is trying to tell you that you are worth that cross. You are worth that shape. And everything that you're dealing with is definitely worth the sacrifice that Jesus gave you. And let me tell you something. You're being called today. Everyone in this room is being called today. And you're being called by a voice. Let me tell you something. The same voice that spoke the universe into existence. The same voice that told Abraham he would make his descendants number like the stars. The same voice that told Moses, lead my people out of Egypt. The same voice that told King David, you're going to be a king one day. The same voice that spoke to Isaiah and the prophets. The same voice that asked Peter, do you love me? The same voice that calmed the waves. The same voice that said, Father, forgive them as he was being crucified. The same voice has said it is done with his last breath on the cross. The same voice that said, let there be light is calling you. The same voice. Listen to the call of your creator. If you, you know who you are today. Whether it's, I'm backslidden, and I can't believe this stuff anymore, I'm, I'm struggling. Whether it's, I've never put my faith in Jesus before, but I've gone to church for my whole life. Whether it's, I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know if he's real. Whether it's, I still have questions, but I want answers. Listen to the call of your creator. I want to end with this thought. When God said, let there be light, where did the light come from? Darkness. When God spoke light into existence, he made it out of darkness. You might think because you're in darkness that you can't become light, but our God created a light out of it. Pretty cool thought doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Our God creates light out of darkness. Our God can and will redefine you. Our God can and will redeem you and save you, transform your life, turn your life around, send it that way towards that cross, and transform you forever. Our God creates light out of darkness. Our God wants to do that for you today. Whether you're struggling with a certain sin and you want to get it off your chest... He wants to make light out of that darkness. Whether you don't believe, like I said, I don't know if I believe in God. He wants to make light out of that darkness and he wants to give you answers. Whether it's, I'm just so backslidden right now, I don't know what to do in my life. God wants to create light out of that darkness. God wants to take your darkness, turn it into light, flip the script for his glory and your prosperity. He wants to give you everything the enemy has taken from you. Everything. Your life, your thoughts, anything that's ever been taken from you from the enemy and from the demons that plague you every day like the demons that plague me every day because I'm human, because we all have them. He wants to redefine you. And he wants to give back to you what the enemy stole. Today we're going to give everyone in this house an opportunity to respond to that call, to respond to that voice. I want to ask whoever's doing this.